Brian Boyle's tenure in Pittsburgh was DOA before he participated in his first drill at training camp. Funny how being open-minded can make a difference with these types of things. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates every day, same place that you found this one. Penguins 6, Coyotes 3, not nearly as interesting and or dramatic as the score might suggest. Arizona doesn't have any goaltending. Arizona doesn't have any defense. And even though Arizona played pretty well up front, Arizona had absolutely nothing left by the time the Penguins looked in the mirror and said, you know what, we've messed around with this game long enough. We're going to finish these guys off. And then they did. And the finishing touch of the evening, after Sidney Crosby had made breathtaking, between-his-own-legs pass, blind to Brian Rust for a power play one-timed goal, was Brian Bleeping Boyle executing his own between-the-legs maneuver, only in his case for a shot that he roofed top shelf, far post, just gorgeous. One of the prettier goals anyone on this team had scored all season. More significant, the goal being scored by this individual was anything but an aberration. It was his fifth of the season. He's only played 28 games. He hasn't played a lot of minutes within those 28 games, and he gets zero power play time. So everything he gets, he's got to get the hard way. And if you know anything at all about Boyle, you know that that's not anything new for him. Successful battle with cancer became a cause across the hockey world when he was with the Devils. And he's had to fight his way for roster spots on his last couple of gigs. But he's always gotten them. And then once he's gotten them, he's continued to earn them by being a productive and popular, when I say that I'm referring to within his locker rooms, performer everywhere he's been. So why, pray tell, were there so many people so skeptical and openly so about how this player might fit in with the Penguins upon his arrival? The answer to that, as I'll share without the slightest hesitation, is the way analytics have stereotyped big players, especially once they have the audacity to hit someone, which Boyle did in a couple of preseason games. And the analytics community starts going, oh, look at that, he's another Ryan Reeves, or he's worthless because all he does is issue body checks, and that's so 70s and whatever else. All Boyle has done in the interim is silence them entirely. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. 
They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Anyone who follows my work knows that I am anything but a basher of analytics. I think it's weird and backward to be a basher of analytics. Their math, you know, it's usually pretty hard to argue with math. Where I will get irritated with the community is when the community flies in the face of what it purports to stand for, and that's objectivity. All objectivity should ever mean in any context is that you're keeping an open mind through the process. And the way Boyle was treated upon arriving to Pittsburgh and playing really well on a tryout contract when he's doing all the things that we all know are necessary still in the hockey culture to impress coaches and teammates, including dropping the gloves, when he was doing all of those things and doing what he had to do to earn his way off a of PTO, everyone was just rolling their eyes in this community. This is crazy. This is, this is stupid. This is backward. This is going to hurt them. Listen to Mike Sullivan after the game last night as to how much Boyle has hurt the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, we were certainly hopeful that, that he could bring uh, the game that he's brought to this point. Uh, the, the fact that he's chipping in offensively, he has five goals to this point, uh, is impressive. The goal he gets tonight is impressive. He has nice hands around the net. He's, he's a good player in, at, at the net front. He, he's, uh, he has great hand-eye coordination. He, he gets a stick on a lot of pucks with deflections, and, he, and he's, he's so big and strong that you can't move him in that area. And so, uh, you know, I witnessed that when I coached him what seems like you know, a decade ago when, when I coached them with the Rangers. And so we were hopeful that, that he was going to bring the game that he's brought uh, as far as you know, being hard to play against, helping us in the face-off circle, helping us on the penalty kill, uh, you know, taking defensive zone starts. That's really the core competency that, that Brian brings to our team. That's the role that we've cast him in. And quite honestly, I don't put him in position sometimes to score a lot of goals. He doesn't get a lot of ozone starts. He gets a lot of D-zone starts. And so we, we put him in difficult situations. And so the fact that he's, that he's scored five goals at this point, I think is impressive. It, it, it's, uh, it's credit to him and it's a credit to his line mates that, that they're able to uh, take difficult situations and turn them into offensive opportunities. Listen to Chris Letang now on the same subject. The fact that he didn't play in the NHL uh, last year at all, um, to have a chance and, and to come in on a team that's got tons of depth, like I said, and you know, bringing a, a physical aspe uh, aspect and um, the fact that he's been stepping up for his teammate, um, dropping a big love a few times, setting the tone, um, it's fun to see that he gets rewarded like uh, in a game like tonight with a, with a beautiful play. There's an element of gutsiness that's added to a team when a really big guy like Boyle is on the ice. No, he's not the fastest. No, he's not going to run up your Corsi 4 percentage, your Fenwicks, your anythings. Although he actually hasn't been all that bad in terms of advanced analytics, particularly when it comes to 
face-offs, shot suppression, and other details. He's been a good hockey player, but he's also had a presence about him. That presence might not matter to me or you. It definitely doesn't matter to the analytics community. It matters to the 18 skaters and two goaltenders in that dressing room. And there's no formula anywhere that can knock that. There just isn't. It doesn't exist. You can't purport from the outside to tell people on the inside what's important to them. It's their room. It's their world. They, and I can tell you this unequivocally, love this guy. They respect him on multiple levels, not least of which has been that they've seen his skill. This isn't some kind of, you know, enforcer dude. That goal last night, as cool as it was, didn't surprise a single person on the ice or on that bench. I can promise you that. Seen other plays, and so have we over the course of this season, where you say, wow, this is a guy, he isn't moving all that much, but he creates his own space, kind of skates with a wide straddle to make sure that nobody's getting around him to catch up with him, if you know what I mean. And he has hands. He has hands and he has a sense for the ice. Now, should he be in your lineup for game one of the playoffs? We can deal with that when we get to it. See how Teddy Bluger recovers from his jaw injury, how many centers there are, what you do with other centers that you've currently got. And by that, I mean in parentheses, where does Jeff Carter end up lining up? Is it at center? Is it on the wing? What do you do with Evan Rodriguez? All of these players should take priority over Boyle, but they might not. They might not, and it might come down to Mike Sullivan and the coaching staff considering the intangible impact that Boyle has had on this group. And when it does, you're going to hear the same howls from the same people. But when you do, feel free to rewind this past summer and replay what they were saying then when we come back just one question welcome back it's time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash DK. FuboTV.com slash DK. And today's J1Q comes from Richard Hilwig. Who asks, do you think that Brock McGinn has been more impactful than Brandon Tanev was? It seems that McGinn brings a sense of scoring and offense that Tanev never had, and it has sparked the fourth line slash bottom six. Richard, one thing I've tried to do as this season has moved along is to get away from exactly that thought process that you're going through there. 
I did the exact same thing from the day of the acquisition. I looked at McGinn versus Tanev. And the first thing that I did, including in watching McGinn in training camp and in the preseason, was to say, oh, this guy's not Tanev. He's not Tanev. He's not running around. He's not visible. He doesn't have his hair flying all over the place. He's not saying all those hilarious things to the other team and to the officials. He's not Tanev. Why? Anyone thought he was Tanev? I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to confess that I, I was guilty of it myself. Maybe it's that on the day Tanev was acquired, he did a Zoom call with us, and a lot of the questions that people like me asked were about that, about, you know, are you this guy, the energy guy, and everything else here? And he said, well, listen, I, I play a pretty gritty style. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to think of myself as a tough competitor. Oh, there it is. He's Tanev. Okay, cool. And I hadn't watched that much of him with Carolina. He wasn't really high up enough on their depth chart for me to have spent a whole lot of time studying Brock McGinn. So he comes here, and my first thought was, just being honest with you here, I'll tell you when I hit something, you know, a nail on the head, this wasn't it. I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, this guy's not Tanev. This, this doesn't look like a pretty even swap here. They really needed a Tanev type. And then McGinn started scoring goals. And then he just kept right on scoring goals and making other high-quality plays and contributing significantly to one of the league's still best penalty-killing units. And he fit right away with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese, where, of course, Tanev had been, but in a different capacity. They weren't the same player. They aren't the same player. Look, I was happy as anyone to see Tanev go to Seattle and score a bunch of goals, and I was disappointed as anyone to see him go down for the season with a knee injury, and now, of course, he won't be able to play in what would have been his return game tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. But at the same time, this player has just been, to finally answer your question, a better overall hockey player. He does a lot of different things that Tanev doesn't do, and certainly not on a consistent basis. It's not that Tanev never scored. He was good for 10, 11, 12 goals a year, whether it was in Pittsburgh or Winnipeg before that. And you'll take a player like that, especially with the pace that he had this year with the Kraken, he was going to significantly exceed that threshold. More ice time, more responsibility, all that stuff. But for what the Penguins do, for what Mike Sullivan preaches with the being smart with the puck in particular, uh, as much as Sullivan has always found a way to manage his headless chickens, he's also always preferred his guys to have a really good head that's actually still on their shoulders. Okay, And that's McGinn. That goal that he scored last night, yeah, I mean, you can argue, you know, short side, backhand or whatever. But he did it. He executed it 
so quickly moving to his backhand that it really didn't look like a bad goal. Nor did it come across as any kind of surprise because we've now seen this guy score a bunch. So is he a better player? Yes, I can answer that for myself uh, with conviction right now. However, I want to throw in one big asterisk here. I loved what Tanev brought to the Penguins in that series against the Islanders. Not just the one big goal that everyone will remember from up on Long Island, but just in general. And in order to really settle an argument like this, especially when we're talking about a Stanley Cup contender, you got to see it in the playoffs too. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. This team has won 17 of its last 19 games. We will do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.